It's that time of year again, where our immunity is really being tested. I have to feel 100% in order to run my weekly podcast, fulfill deliverables for my clients and partners, manage my household, and take care of my family of five. So believe me, I take my health seriously and take all the measures I can to feel my best. Sambacol was developed by a virologist and is a dietary supplement that provides powerful immune support fueled by nature's superfruit, black elderberry. Black elderberries are a natural source of vitamin A, C, and E, and contain antioxidants that may help fight free radicals. The gummies and syrup have a delicious berry flavor and are easy to incorporate into my daily wellness routine. They're dairy, egg, gluten, nut, soy, and wheat-free, vegan and vegetarian friendly, and they do not have any artificial colors, flavors, or sweeteners. Visit SambucolUSA.com, and that's spelled S-A-M-B-U-C-O-L-U-S-A.com, and use my code MOMSENSE15 to receive 15% off your order of $9.99 or more. This offer is valid for U.S. customers only. Sometimes parents need a little reminder that our health comes first, and Sambucol can help. That is, I think, the gift of parenting, actually, is that we can really watch this unique soul, like we really are just the vehicle through which they come to this world. And so I think that always stayed with me is that, you know, if we can love and nurture and give them the safety and security to blossom, they will start to exhibit and explore and question uh, their unique gifts. And that's what's so amazing about the parenting journey is to actually give space to your kids to discover who they are. Hi there, it's Kanika. Get ready for another season of That's Total Mom Sense, where I interview global thought leaders on their life stories, the legacy they're passing on to their kids, And of course, their mom sense and dad sense superpower. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Hey, I'm Daphne Oz. Hi, I'm Shawnee Darden. Hi, this is Chris Salin. Hi, I'm Bob Michelle Mulan. Hi, this is Tony Leroy. Hi, I'm Shannon Lee. Hi, I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. Hi, this is Michael Perry, founder of Maple. And you're listening to me on That's Total Mom Sense. It's our mission to be inclusive. So we're having dads pull up a seat at the table. Tune in to my new monthly segment, What Matters Most with Maple, featuring my co-host, Michael Perry, tech founder and devoted father of two. Thank you to my brand partners, community, and you, yes, you, for making this podcast possible. Episodes release every Thursday. Join my tribe by logging on to thatstotalmomsense.com and subscribe wherever you listen so you never miss an episode. We are continuing to navigate tenuous times, and it's so important for us as parents to know how to effectively manage stress and our feelings and teach our children to do the same. My guest today was raised with a deep understanding of the power of the spirit and meditation, Malika Chopra, daughter of the most world-renowned pioneer of alternative medicine, Deepak Chopra. She has charted her own path through wellness as a mother and so much more. Malika is the author of the Just Be series, Just Breathe, Just Feel, and Just Be You, a trilogy of illustrated how-to books for children and the adults in their lives. 
These books provide simple tools to understand and support social and emotional knowing, resilience, meditation, mindfulness, and self-reflection. Malika's newest book, My Body is a Rainbow, helps children imagine a rainbow of colors radiating from their body and combines this color connection with breathing exercises to help them relieve stress, tension, fears, and sadness, and to feel happier and more at peace. In Living with Intent, My Somewhat Messy Journey to Purpose, Peace, and Joy, Malika shares insights she gained while seeking meaning and balance as a mom and entrepreneur who felt she was overwhelmed by work, family, and too many responsibilities. Malika has taught meditation to thousands of people and is currently a mindfulness consultant for the animated series Stillwater on Apple TV+. She enjoys speaking to audiences around the world about intention, balance, and living a life of purpose. Malika has a BA from Brown University, an MBA from Kellogg Business School, and an MA in Psychology and Education with a Mind-Body-Spirit Concentration from Teachers College, Columbia University. She and her husband, Sumanth Mandal, live in California and have two daughters. Malika, I am so grateful to have you on That's Total Mom Sense today. Thank you for joining us. No, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So in order to understand where we're going, I think it's so important that we appreciate where we come from. And I want to start with, you know, the legacy that you and your brother Gotham are leading now and passing on to your kids. I've heard your father's story and would love to share how it impacted you. Now, to give the audience some context, when a young Deepak was just six years old, along with his four-year-old brother, who is your Chataji, uh, were living in Bombay with his grandparents. His grandfather died rather suddenly, out like a candle. And it was upon hearing the incredible news that his son, Deepak's father, was accepted into the Royal College of Physicians, specifically for cardiology. And that was a big deal, especially given British colonial rule over India. So his granddad took him and his brother to a mela, a carnival, a movie, a fancy dinner. And later that night, he passed away. And perhaps it was out of excitement. And your dad, at such a young age, learned what existentialism is. One day you exist, and the next you can just turn to ash. And, you know, your father, did he tell you these stories? And is that why he embarked on the journey that he did and his, you know, how he forged his life path? So, yeah, no, it's a very powerful story and definitely shaped my dad's life. In my experience, we all have pivotal moments that shape us, but sometimes we don't really reflect on them until later. And so I think as my father reflects on his background, that became a pivotal moment. But it's not like at the age of six, you know, he embarked on some sort of journey. Rather, you know, I think he became a doctor over time, following in the footsteps of his father, as did my cha-cha. They pursued, you know, the epitome of academics and accomplishment um, in terms of Western medicine. Came here to this country. Um, First, my dad got here and my mom with $8. And so, you know, as immigrants built their life here, my uncle came a little. Our family is very lucky and very fortunate because, you know, there was a lot of privilege in terms of 
education, frankly, and community. And that's what I think supported my father as he embarked on his journey. Now, the story that you share definitely, you know, it was one very important incident in shaping his sense of existentialism, what is existence, um, you know, so many of the questions that he grapples with now. Yes, absolutely. Now tell us about your childhood along with Gotham and your, you know, mom and dad and how they raised you and the family values that they wanted to instill in you both. So I think we were very typical Indian immigrants. You know, my parents came here in the 70s. As I mentioned, they had $8 when they got here. So when they arrived, I think we're put in some motel um, before he started his first shift in the emergency room. And so when they were going and walking around that first kind of night or two, they saw a colored television, probably in a Sears window or something like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm really fascinated because they had never seen a color TV before. And the salesperson came to them and said, welcome, what do you do? And my dad said, oh, I'm going to be a doctor. And so the salesperson said, oh, here, just take the TV. And my parents were so confused because they were like, what do you mean? He's like, oh, don't worry, you can pay with credit over time. So they took the TV home. And then the next day they were walking and they saw a car dealership and they walked in there and the person said, oh, so what are you going to do? And he said, I'm going to be a doctor. And he said, oh, here, take a car. Um, And so my parents, um, remember those early days just being utterly fascinated by this concept of credit. They didn't have enough money to have me though in the U.S. because they didn't have health insurance. So my mom okay. went back to India to have me while wow. we were working. So I was actually born in India and came back here after a few months. So my parents were young. They were working hard. I mean, very much the typical immigrant story of that time of the early 70s when many doctors and engineers came here. And my brother and I were very lucky. Like we had a very close-knit family. My cousins lived 10 minutes away from us. So my cha-cha came a few years later. So I grew up with, um, you know, my three first cousins. We were together all the time. And then a few years later, my Masi um, moved to Boston and they lived with us for some time, as did other cousins. So my house was really um, Grand Central, per se, as everyone (laughs) With us, we have a very, very close family, and all of the cousins are super close. And, you know, my dad was a busy guy, like he was, uh, and he was pretty stressed out, actually, um, because he was working so hard. So it was much later in our life that kind of this journey of his began. How did you as a family accommodate to his fame and, you know, global thought leadership? Because to you, he was just Papa. For me, a pivotal moment was around nine years old when my parents learned how to meditate. And then I learned how to meditate, got them learned how to meditate. My chacha's family learned how to meditate. My masis had to learn by the end of the week, the Indian community (laughs) of Boston, everyone had to learn. It wasn't about fame or fortune or any of that. This was my parents' journey. It was their transformation. We all kind of were witnesses to it. And over like a 15 to 20 year period, my dad became more and more and more well-known. So it was very gradual. We did see like famous people would come to see him and things like that. But like to us, 
we actually saw that they were often suffering and, you know, it was more, my dad was kind of their doctor um, helping with the diseases that they were struggling with, whether it was cancer or addiction or things like that. There wasn't really this kind of sense of celebrity in it at all, because that wasn't what it was about. What career path did you, you know, kind of aspire to do? So after college, I actually had the opportunity to work for MTV and launch MTV in India. And that was my, it was an amazing job and opportunity because I got to work on every aspect of the business. I met my husband who was living in Delhi at a rave. um, Oh, wow. (laughs) And, you know, I kind of had this dream life because I was living uh, in the Taj in Bombay, going to meetings, traveling around the world. We had just um, sold our first ever sponsorship for the channel. We were in kind of our limousine going from, you know, one corporate office back to the Dodge, bottle of champagne in the car to celebrate the success and found ourselves stuck in one of the slums. This is long before the flyovers were there. Yeah. As we were driving, we approached a roadside shack and in front of it were kids, you know, staring at this roadside shack. And as we approached it, we were all wondering what's what's happening. And we saw in the shack a television hanging by wires, black and white images coming out. And it was kids on the beaches of Santa Monica grinding to hip hop music and the <laughs> logo. And so my all my co-workers began to cheer because this was such a success. We had reached every corner of the planet. And I remember my heart stopped. And I thought, oh, my God, what am I doing? Um, and I realized, like, I kind of had this dream job. But it was one of the first times in my life where I started to really reflect on the values that my parents had taught us, asking, how can I serve? And for me, I realized, like, you know what, that was an amazing opportunity. It gave me the tools for much of what I was able to do later on in life, but it wasn't my path. And so that really uh, was probably one of the first at a very young age moments where I paused and reflected on my background and who I wanted to be and how I could serve in my own unique way. From there. So then did you, you know, come back to the U.S. after your stint in India and, you know, what kind of played out from there? Yeah. So I decided um, after that moment, I was like, you know, this isn't my path, but I would say I had no idea what it was, what I was meant to do. But at the same time, I ended up meeting my husband. We got married. We actually came back. Um, He was from Delhi, but we got married. He had gone to undergrad in the U.S. We came back to the U.S. and both of us went to Kellogg our MBAs, continued with education. And then my career has been very much like I'm kind of entrepreneurial by nature. So I'm always launching different projects or companies or books or whatever it may be. And so I've kind of had this, as I say, a messy journey. Um, My book for adults is called Living with Intent, My Somewhat Messy Journey to Purpose, Peace and Joy. So I talk um, a lot about kind of the messy journey there. But I will say, you know, I continue to have different moments in my life that would make me pause and reflect and often shift direction a little bit. One of which was, of course, being pregnant. You were pregnant during 9-11. And that was another very pivotal turning point for you. So tell us what happened during that time. On the morning of 9-11, 
the phone rang and it was my dad on the other end of the phone. My husband answered the phone and I was, I was five months pregnant. My dad was crying hysterically. Like my husband couldn't even understand what he was saying. So he gave me the phone and the first plane had just crashed into the first building. My dad had made an emergency landing from his flight. And my dad thought my brother was on the plane because the initial information seemed like my brother was on it. And while we were on the phone, the second plane crashed. So obviously nobody knew what was happening that morning. My mom's flight turned around and it took us a couple hours for my brother to finally call uh, and tell us that he was okay. In the midst of it, like my Masi was trying to find the taxi that drove him to the airport. And so it was obviously everyone had their story that day. So our personal story was one where it was more looking for my brother. Um, yeah. And hours later, I was going for a walk. And I think just all the stress caught up with me. And I ended up just kind of fainting. Next thing I knew, I was in a hospital room. And I, it was, again, one of those pivotal moments because... I was about 30 years old and all of that inspiration and joy and the magic of becoming a mom suddenly became anxiety and fear and, you know, questioning what am I doing bringing this kind of innocent soul into a world that's suffering. And that's really when I began to write. I went back to concepts of intention that my dad had taught my brother and I as kids and I started to really think about what is my intent as a mom? You know, how am I going to serve? What do I want this journey um, of being a mom of for my children? What do I want to instill in it? So my first book was actually called 100 Promises to My Baby, followed by 100 Questions from My Child, which were very much um, about conscious parenting. How can you advise parents on really understanding who each child distinctly is? That is, I think, the gift of parenting, actually, is that we can really watch this unique soul, like we really are just the vehicle through which they come to this world. And so I think that always stayed with me is that, you know, if we can love and nurture and give them the safety and security to blossom, they will start to exhibit and explore and question uh, their unique gifts. And that's what's so amazing about the parenting journey is to actually give space to your kids to discover who they are. And so for my girls, you know, like I said, I always was so grateful for the security that I had growing up. And so much of that is family. It was our Indian community. And I realized actually, you know, because we're for those of us who are kind of the next generation, you know, we're much more uh, immersed into a more diverse community. And so for me, you know, my husband's from India, but my sister-in-law is Chinese and we have, you know, many different people with different backgrounds in our family. But I think what we've all carried forward is this um, commitment to really be connected as a family. My kids really grew up with that kind of network and support, which 
I feel is so lucky. My parents um, and my in-laws have been very kind of part of their lives. In fact, when I got pregnant with Tara, my older daughter, I had mentioned how my company had gone under at that time. And so I had dropped out of business school and I decided I wanted to go back to business school. And so I had this, um, I went, my husband was in LA. I went back to Chicago and for four months, I had my mom, then my mother-in-law, and then my Masi take turns to be with me and my newborn baby so that I could breastfeed, go to class, come back. Oh my and, gosh. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> my children benefited from all of these mothers in their lives and a lot of love and security. So, you know, I do feel that that, again, for what not everybody has that type of community or even family, but I do think that as parents, the biggest gift that we can give our children is to find the one or two people that they also can kind of outside of you trust and turn to. And so that's, I've made a really conscious effort to do that as a parent. In your book, The 100 Promises to My Baby, can you just share two of those promises with us? I think that one of the first ones is I promise to always remember that you are a gift from God. And I think that, you know, is the essence of also just feeling the gratitude and the sacred gift that we're given as parents to bring a new soul into the planet. So I think that really shaped my journey. Um, I think another one that I, I don't think I ever included it because I realized when my daughter was two, it wasn't going to be practical, which is I, I, like I said, I promise to never say no to you. And then I realized <laughs> um, as soon as you become a parent, you realize actually I, that's not going to happen. Take it back. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so you learn as you go along. Yes. Yes. So true. Uh, now in your book, Living with Intent, My Somewhat Messy Journey to Purpose, Peace and Joy, what would you say is one of the most important takeaways that you wanted to impress upon your readers? Yeah. So, you know, I was taught like many of probably other um, people in our community, this concept of dharma and purpose. And I feel like that was something that I actually was really stressed about, especially having a high profile father. My brother and I were always kind of like thinking, oh, you know, how can we serve? What, you know, how can we do something on a bigger level? And I think Living with Intent for me is really a book of just kind of anchoring myself in acceptance of that, you know, we can all serve in our unique ways, whether it's as a mom or as someone in our community or however it may be. I had always grown up with this concept of intention. I used I-N-T-E-N-T as an acronym to mm. really outline a very practical how-to model to really think about intention rather than kind of thinking of it as this big concept of dharma and purposes and I have to do something in the world. So, you know, I outline it as I is for incubate, N is for notice, T is for trust, E is for express, N is for nurture, and T is for take action. Wow. Um, that I outline... I share my stories and then really kind of try to make it practical and down to earth. Now you have a series of books for kids, I would say like middle school age and up and, and they're just really wonderful. There's just breathe, just feel and just be you. So how did you find a way to speak directly to them, um, this younger audience and kind of impart the ideas that for them resonate and land? 
Yes. So I learned how to meditate myself when I was nine. So it was very much shaped by my personal experience. And then of course, as a mom, you're interacting with kids all the time in their play groups and the parents and you can observe so much. And what I realized is that for me, having a tool at a young age of meditation really anchored me in a sense of knowing and self that stayed with me through my teen years, my 20s, my 30s, my 40s. And there was a practice that uh, really connected me. So after writing Living with Intent, started teaching in my community and teaching in schools a lot. And it began with just teaching my daughter when she was in third grade, her Girl Scouts group, how to meditate. And what I realized is that children are so yearning different tools, and they're actually quite innocent in terms of experimenting. So, you know, I kind of took my own background and then what I was doing with children to just start writing these books. And it began with Just Breathe, which is really just begins with breath. You know, we don't have to make things so complicated. It's really simple, practical tools that have, you know, we know even scientific benefits as well in terms of physical, emotional health. And the books really evolved. I didn't initially plan to write three, but then they logically made sense. So Just Breathe, I would be say, is more the practical everyday. Just Feel became more about social and emotional learning and feelings and feeling your body. And then Just Be You was the natural follow-up because it was really about self-reflection and intention, which is what I had been doing with adults in any case. But I realized that kids, you know, if we can give them some sense of who they are, what they want, how they can serve and feeling grateful at an early age, that's just such a beautiful thing to have as they move forward in life. So the books really were an evolution, but Once I had three, I was like, okay, now they're done. Uh, (laughs) It's like this trilogy. I love it. Yeah, exactly. And they are for eight to 12 year olds. They're at an age where kids can read them themselves. And what I like about them is, and especially when I'm in schools, I tell kids, now you go and tell your parents to just breathe. You teach (sighs) your kids. I mean, you teach your parents to be mindful of their language. And so I find that kids are actually, um, they're becoming the advocates, which is brilliant. So let's talk about your recent release, My Body is a Rainbow, The Color of My Feelings, which I would say is for a younger age group, uh, maybe two and up, beautifully illustrate the chakras. So after I did the three books for kids, you know, it was actually my publisher came back to me and said, you know, there's one exercise in this book. I think it was in Just Feel. She's like, I feel like we could expand it for children, um, like younger children. And so um, first she just said, we like the exercise. And I was like, yeah, but you know, it's not fun enough. We can really tie this in to make it really colorful and fun and empowering. So in the book, what I'm doing is combining the chakras without calling them chakras. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The colors of the rainbow, which is a pretty standard way of presenting the chakras, but then adding breath and affirmations. And what I wanted to do is create something that a teacher could just read in the classroom or a parent could read to their child that was more of a guided meditation, but in this fun format. And so it's really full of like diverse, happy kids, but really going through the chakras. So starting 
you know, with just focused on like how you're seated, Mm -hmm. envisioning the color red, taking a deep breath and saying, I am safe, because for children, that's a very important kind of concept. Then kind of shifting to that second chakra and going to like a color orange and saying, I am creative, moving up through the body. So going, I am uh, strong. I am loved, I am creative, I am wise, and I am. And with each one, we add a breath and a color. And so the goal is to actually have kids be aware of their bodies, because that's where they often will carry stress, but then take breath, see the power of the breath, but then really feel strong and affirmed um, through these phrases. Can you tell us a little more about how we can feel connected to source. And, and, you know, it's beautiful how the chakras are essentially this light and the spectrum that is light. So what is the source and how do we tap in? Yeah, so, you know, for those of us who come from maybe a Vedic tradition or Hindu tradition, we think of it as consciousness of our soul, um, you know, that part of us that is part of a larger spirit. But I really focus on um, the experiential. So if you just take a deep breath right now, so breathe in and breathe out. And just in that breath, there is that pause kind of between the in-breath and the out-breath that you really feel connected. And even as you're taking that breath, you know, you slow down thoughts. Who we are is the one who is having the thoughts, the one who is breathing. And so it's really in the practice that we experience that. When we teach meditation, we're in our tradition, we're using mantra-based meditations. And what we're doing is just slowing down thoughts and giving people the experience of the one who's having the thought. So, you know, we have a thought, we have a thought, we have a thought. But with breath, with mantra, we kind of expand the space between thoughts. And that's when we connect to our true selves. And that's when we feel part of something bigger when we move beyond the ego or just kind of our individual self to something that is larger. So I think in all of these exercises that I'm doing with kids, I'm not feeling the need to explain all the concepts, but just give them the experience. And actually kids are so open and innocent that it's amazing. So, you know, often I'll go into a classroom and it will be full of like 30 kind of laughing, fun, joyful kids who all like love to share their stories. And most of them now have been exposed to some sort of yoga or mindful walking practice or something and will, you know, laugh a lot. And then I'll have them do like tree pose and which is all (laughs) Pose um, because they're all over the place, but they'll all this like just millisecond or a second where all the kids just for one second are like balanced and taking a deep breath together amidst all the craziness. And it's just such a nice reminder and an experience for them to have of that we can quiet down, we can find a moment of peace in the midst of all this craziness. So you're a forever student of meditation. And as you mentioned, you were exposed so early on in your life. And there's so many forms of of meditation. Can you give us like a practical exercise that we can do as adults and then teach our kids to join in? So a mantra-based meditation is super simple. And so what I do with when I'm guiding audiences 
I'll often use the word I am because it doesn't bring in any religious connotations. Um, but what I am is a primordial sound. So think of it as a sound of nature, which is like the sound of the wind blowing through the trees or the children's laughter or the sound of the waves on an ocean. Like they're just real healing sounds in nature. Um, so I am is the infinite to the finite. So I am similar to Om or Amma mm. or Amen. We see that in cultures all around the world. Yeah. And so um, I use I am and it's super simple. You just, um, if you're comfortable and feel safe, you can close your eyes and take a deep breath in and out. And now mentally in your head, repeat the words, I am, I am, I am. And just repeat the words at whatever rhythm or pace feels natural. And when your attention drifts away from the words, which it will and is completely normal, you'll start to think I need to go to the bathroom or I'm hungry. Then you just come back to the words, I am, I am, I am. And it's a really should be a natural process, breathing normally. And I encourage you to try it for five minutes and, you know, see if it helps you kind of slow down. For many people, they'll say, oh, I can't meditate because every time I do, I fall asleep. Well, <laughs> my answer is that's not rocket science. It means your body needs more rest and you should be sleeping. Other people say, oh, my mind's racing the whole time and I just can't focus. This isn't about focusing. It's about gently coming back to the words. And in fact, if your mind's erasing the whole time, it's probably a sign that you really need this type of practice. Um, <laughs> and many people, um, they will slow down and they'll have these moments of peace that kind of stay with them then, you know, for the rest of the day. And it becomes part of your life. And again, my books are full of exercises to do with kids. And then when it feels age appropriate, you can try a mantra-based meditation with them like I am, but each mm -hmm. will be different. And so, you know, and especially I know us young boys often have a really hard time sitting still. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't even pretend to try to do that. Like I would <laughs> rather um, do movement or just give them tastes of different ways to be silent and quiet. So when was the time you trusted your mom sense? There was a time, I think my daughter was like 11 or 12 years old. And she tried to shape her eyebrows and she <laughs> shaved off her eyebrows. Um, oh, no. So as a parent, you know, of course, the first thing was like, has she cut herself or, you know, hurt herself? Um, but then it was just looking at her and all I could do was laugh because... <laughs> And you have to go back to like, okay, don't take anything too seriously. And also now she's traumatized and let's kind of find that place inside of us instead of shouting at her, like, yeah. what the hell are you doing? Um, it was more like, okay, let's figure this out and kind of found, find the humor in it as well. So I think that as a parent um, for me has always been, and you know, uh, you have young kids, but as they get older and they become teenagers and they start to really individuate and push back and explore, you have to find the, that anchor in yourself to remind yourself, this child is my gift from God mm -hmm. <laughs> and I am uh, really going to be a partner here as we move forward. Let's not forget our quote of the day. Is there a quote that you live by? 
I would say both. I would think both my brother and I really do carry this concept that my dad always shared with with us, which was don't take life too seriously, you know, um, and really kind of approach things with gratitude and humor and um, creativity. And so I think we both have always kind of held that. And where can my listeners find you, follow you, watch your talks, buy your books? Yeah, so I have a website, malikachopra.com. So most of the stuff is there and I'm on all social media. I have recently actually taken on the CEO role of Chopra Global, which is my dad's company. So I do invite everyone to explore Chopra and we have a Chopra app on which we have guided meditations, um, of course, have done 21 day meditations with Oprah and mm-hmm. others. And then I am sharing a lot of meditations for kids and families there now as well. Thank you. Thank you so much, Malika. You have been uh, such a delight. And thank you for giving us these tangible takeaways and enlightening us in a way that's so pure and authentic. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And yeah, thanks for spreading the word and good luck with all of your efforts. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you got some great takeaways from my conversation with Malika. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe to That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast, wherever you listen. Here's a review I'd like to share from Apple Podcasts. It was said by Miss Khan. The subject reads, just love it. She says, Kanika is such a professional. You know she's done the work, and I love that she addresses all kinds of issues. Well, thank you, Miss Khan, for the thoughtful review. Please email me your address so I can send you some That's Total Mom Sense merch. My email is thatstotalmomsense at gmail.com. As you know, on my website, thatstotalmomsense.com, under the shop page, I've branded merchandise um, and it's meant to enhance your podcast listening experience. So featured are earbuds, cozy hoodies, tanks, and even a mom sense candle that I collaborated with Bodewell Living on. And the fragrance is jasmine and sandalwood, which is reminiscent of my nani, my grandmother, who lived in India. Tune into other episodes and browse my YouTube videos where I post teasers by searching that total mom sense. And you can follow me on Instagram and my handle is at Kanika Chada Gupta. If you are seeking advice with your personal journey through pregnancy or parenting, or just want to say hi, I would love to hear from you. So send me an email at thatsotalmomsense at gmail.com or send me a DM. Remember, always trust your mom sense and your dad's sense. That's total mom sense.